Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for, and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I, of course, cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners, and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions, because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. We're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. My uh, co-host today is my brother, Justin McNamara. We're talking about, uh, is this a good time to invest or what is the right time to invest? Um, And we already answered the question and we'll answer it again, but you can still (laughs) listen to the discussion. But the question is, uh, if your investment time horizon is long enough, it's always a good time to invest. Is it perfect? I don't know. Probably not. We, we, we never know when the perfect time to invest yeah. will be. But Before, actually, as yep. we just discussed, even when you even if you find the perfect time to invest, how much time did you waste having potentially zero percent right. returns to find that perfect time to invest? So what was uh, so what was the cost to you to wait for that perfect time? Yeah. And, and yeah, just just yeah. Uh, I want to give out the contact information. If oh, you have yeah. any questions on this, uh, you can shoot us an email questions at McNamara on money dot com. Again, that's questions at McNamara on money dot com. And I think, you know, the, the, one of the questions that I had just to follow up and kind of finish off the discussion that we just had is, you know, I, I get the question is now a good time to invest every time, you know, every time this happens, yeah. right? So, you know, someone, we have a lot of clients and inevitably at least one will ask me, is now a good time to invest? And I think, you know, as opposed to, I don't just give them a flat yes. I, I do say it's a better time to invest than it was. Yeah. You know, we're sure yeah. of, we're sure of that, right? On the assumption that the, that the market, well, no, even if the market continues down, it's, it's anytime the market is at one, at one place and then it's lower after that, it's, it's now officially a better time to invest than it was before. Right. Uh, because you're always looking for lower prices, right? I mean, you, you always want the value, you know, buying, buying low is what you're supposed to do. So if the market drops eight to 10%, you know the people's the, the question really means is is the market going to continue to go down? Obviously, we don't know the right. we don't know that. That's answer. really what they want to ask. That's right. what they want to ask, but <laughs> yeah. they're not right. And we say we you know, we essentially say we don't know if it's going to continue down from here. But we what we do know is it's a better time to invest now. And if that money that we're talking about is investment money and it has an appropriate time horizon, for, you know, to, for investment, then in general. Yes, you. It's, it's certainly a better time to invest now. Now that doesn't mean they will be psychologically right. okay investing it necessarily. Yeah, um, and that's always a difficult discussion, especially you know if it's a lot of money that we're talking about. But um, that's that's generally what we say. As it's, if you, if you say good, then you you know we we may be answering a question that they're not asking. To your point, um, but yeah, be- better. It's it certainly is better a better time to invest than it was at the beginning of the year. Right, and saying that a little bit differently, investing when the market is down. 10 or 15%. So like investing now, your return from here on out will be better now 
than if you had invested a couple months ago. Yep. Right. So maybe that's just a little bit of a different way of saying that. What you what we're saying is when markets are down, it's it's a better time to invest because you can buy shares cheaper. We, we don't know if it's they're going to trend down from here. But I guess I should say your long term return. Yep. From here. Yep. Is will be better. Right. Because I can't guarantee that. But I'm going to say your long term. I'm pretty comfortable that your long term return five, eight, ten years from now will be better if you put the money in now, better than it would have been if you put the money in two months ago. So it's a like you said, right. it's a better time. It will definitely be you're right. It will be better. Right. Yeah. Because right, we don't know when the bottom of the market will be. But at some point, we're comfortable that there will be a recovery. And 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 then. You know, again, if you have enough time to recover from a down market, your return will be better than it would have been if you invested a couple months ago. Exactly. Right? Yep. Um, I did a little, um, I do want to get into portfolio suitability. I think that's really important. I also want to get into dollar cost averaging, to, not to get super technical, but just to okay. talk about that um, a little bit. And I, I guess that ties into what we were talking about before the break. And, and again, not to get super technical, technical I couldn't even like quote much from the study that was done but um, but there was there's a theory or there was a white paper or a study done I don't know what is it 40 30 40 years ago now yep. on the, the this uh, the topic of what's called dollar cost averaging which basically means that um, people that that if you invest periodically over a period of time. So for example, if you're investing once a month over the course of a year, instead of investing like one larger sum once a year, yep. right? Yep. Then it then there was, uh, it's proven that your average share price uh, over a long period of time will be more attractive, i.e. lower, right? You'll, your average price per share will be better if you're investing routinely and periodically right. versus large like ad hoc contributions to, to your account, whether that's every year, every couple years or something like that. So that's what we've sort of already talked about that. Yep. But that, and, and we already talked about how um, like, you know, investing when you have the money to invest is good investment behavior, and and this the the, the theory of, of dollar cost averaging has proved that. I don't I don't know the per name of the person who did that study. You probably do. I or, do not. No, okay. I don't recall. I mean, it just and just to be clear, you know, this is I always suggest with Dad too. He would say something, and then I would have to I would have to compliance pull it back. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. This again. This is just again. That was just one study, right? So, and if it was done a bunch of years ago, it's not necessarily. I mean, in theory. Dollar cost averaging is, in general, a great idea. We think it, we think you should do it, and um, you know, investing periodically. A, I mean, a it builds habits, and b you may very well be mm. better off than just um, than just, you know you, you may get a better investment result than just dumping money in you know once you know once a year versus right. over you know in twelve equal increments over the course of the year. It's it's it does generally work, but but not in all cases. Just you know just yeah. to be clear, right? I mean, if you do a long term study over over a forty year period, and you can say, well, hey, you know, in general, you're always better off doing this than that. That may you know everyone's individual experience is different, right? And and there are certainly folks who we've suggested dollar cost averaging to in a given year you know, with, with a particular chunk of money that would have been better off investing it all, all up front, right? right? I mean, if you right. have, if you have a year where, where the, the lowest part of the market is the first day of the year and you invested all that money at the first day and it was just all up, all uphill from there, you could in theory have a worse return, right? So this, these are, these are like a generic recommendation right. where it, it's not necessarily the case for just you. Um, but you know, it's, it's still a good practice. Cause again, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. Just like, just like not playing the lottery as a retirement plan is a, is a good <laughs> advice, but there will be some people who, uh, who, who actually win the lottery. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, right. And so it's like the, the, the sort of the premise of it or the, or the, or the results. Well, the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the point is that if you're investing ad hoc, for example, like once a year versus throughout the year. Right. You don't know where the market is that once a year when right. you decide to put the money in. It could be at a high point, uh, could be at a midpoint, could be at a low point. If it's at a low point and you do that every year, great, you did better. Yep. But but you just don't know where the market is when you do it more ad hoc. So doing it periodically means you're going to be scooping up some shares that are that are at low points, right. some shares that are at midpoints, and some that are at high points. But, but sort of the study was that like, in general, the, the average for someone who did it routinely routinely was more attractive, right? But of course, it depends on the timing of it, right? right? The whole topic of today's show. Where I do think 
um, it makes sense to to do like a large contribution it, at once at the beginning of the year is, for example, someone who has really good cash flow and can like max their 401k in the first month or two of the year. Okay. Right. So think of someone, a high income earner who can forego first few paychecks of the year and max their 401k. Okay. Right. And they get a large employer match to go with it toward the beginning of the year. Okay. Right. So I think that that one makes sense because you just gave some numbers about what the S&P 500 did over several years. Right. Yep. Most of the time in most years, the market is higher at the end of the year than it was at the beginning of the year. Right. And it's not it's not perfect. Like it goes up and down. Right. But most years it's higher at the end, which means if you invest most of your money at the beginning, most of the time that will work out for you. And that one's not cash on the sidelines. That's cash flow. Okay. Right. So so for someone that has cash flow and they're investing that. Um, it, like it's not that that person maxing their 401k, they're not, they don't have a bunch of cash on the sidelines. They're just using their cash flow to throw it in. Right. I guess, of course, having said that they have to have some cash to live off of in those few right. months. Right. So, yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I think that's one that, um, it, that's not dollar cost averaging, but I think there are some times where that makes sense. I, but, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the point of the study and, and the point of dollar cost averaging is just a, it's it's just to avoid people trying to you know they they did that study and I think it was in service of hey you're not going to be able to time the market because it's just you know it's it's very difficult to do and there's you know the psychology involved makes it even more difficult and so you're probably just better off investing periodically right I mean you, you are right the average year goes uh, you know if the average year goes is is positive if you do that every year for 20 years and you just dump all the money at the beginning of the year, you're probably going to end off better off than, mm-hmm. you, than you did otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's, you know, you, that's kind of saying the opposite of dollar cost averaging though, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah the, yeah, the point is that you probably should just invest money when you, when you have it or as soon as you have it because you, it's hard to time the market. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked about, um, I just, I had some, I just pulled some numbers regarding the the credit crisis market, the one that was 07, 08, 09. Yep. And um, I didn't pull out like, well, the, the, the COVID, the Corona crash market was like we already talked about really short, right? And, and um, someone that was, you know, holding out cash to invest could miss an opportunity really quickly, right? And then they're, and then they, if, if someone's doing that to begin with, then they just continue doing it because they missed their opportunity, right? And then how long does, it, does yep. the money stay on the sidelines, right? Yep. There, therein lies one of the problems. With the 07, 08, 09 market, that was very different though, because that one was really long. So that one was yep. October of 2007 to March of 2009. Um, the total drop was like 53%, I want to say. Okay. The total drop it was 53%, I think, in that roughly 18 months, 17 months. Mm-hmm. But it took it took nine months for the market to drop about fifteen percent, and almost a year for it to drop twenty percent. Like this one was really long and slowly progressing, yep. and then sort of after that after that year, once it got to be like October of '08, then it was a more dramatic drop from there. Um, but I guess my my so. With that one, again, like what we've talked about already is like holding out cash and investing at the bottom of the market is a great plan, right? Yep. The problem is we don't know when the bottom of the market is. And I I dug a little deeper into this um, market, the credit crisis market. So March 9th of 2009 was actually the, the, I'm sorry. Yeah, March 9th was the bottom. But on October 27th of 2008, so like five months before the downturn. Yeah, I remember this, yeah. um, So the market was down, so like like a year in, market was down about 40% from its high. And then over the next two weeks, the market went back up about 20%. Right. And so that's, and you're kind of like seeming like, oh, the, the recovery has started. Yep. Right, but this comes back to our point where, 
it, the markets don't just go straight up and straight down. These lines are not, there's nothing straight about these lines. Yeah. And they're not even nice and curvy. They're very jagged. So so that two week we saw a 20%, almost a 20% pop upward. Looks like the start of a recovery. Unfortunately, from there, from November 7th to March 9th of 09, it went down another 27%. Yeah. So it was like, there. it's very jagged and unpredictable. It's so impossible. And I could probably have come up with 25 different you know, little rec- little uh, faux recoveries yep. in that period of time sure. to prove that it's impossible to predict, right? It's just so jagged. And we're seeing that now where it's, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're down eight, 10% and then we're back up 4%. And then, you know, and, and sometimes the numbers aren't really huge, but yeah. um, it's, it's just so jagged and unpredictable. And um, it's just emotionally, uh, um, draining, right? If you're constantly having to pay attention to it, which right. is why I tell my clients just, just don't, just don't look and and have faith in the future. And yeah, um, yeah. I'm sure that I'm sure that you've heard, you've heard this before as well, right? I mean, you when you're having that discussion with with someone, they generally say, well, hey, maybe we should get out now because it looks like it's going to continue to get to go down, and then and then we'll get back in when it starts going up. Yeah. Right. And just, yeah. you know, to, to your point, and, you know, we, we point this out in every discussion as well. It's not, it's certainly not as black and white as, you know, it's, it's not like looking at, you know, uh, a chart of like the economy where it's, it's kind of more, you know, the economy is growing and then maybe there's the occasional recession where it's going down, right? The, the market is very, very up and down. It's mm-hmm. very jagged to use your word. And we don't know when it's going, you know, even if it starts going back up, that doesn't mean it's not going to go back down after it starts going right. back up. Right. right. It's, it's, exactly. It's certainly not like a, li- a line in the sand that's, that's, anything like identifiable in the moment. Right. Uh, Absolutely not. And oftentimes the market is not, um, it doesn't like trend with the economic data either. Right. Right. And and sometimes uh, like when we have high unemployment and low GDP, we have roaring markets like was the case in 2020. Right. And, 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 and sometimes they don't always trend together. So in other words, they don't, the market's unpredictable. I did yep. pull a couple more pieces of data just from the um, the credit, uh, yeah, the credit crisis market, and so I don't want this to go to waste, basically. So let's. <laughs> I just want to go through some of these, and and the point was like, um, this isn't actually actually just to back up a step. This is an interesting period of time in the world where, well, of of course, what's happening with the war, but I mean, uh, in the world of finances, where. People have a lot of money right now. Yep. If you listen and if you look at the statistics regarding like household cash balances, yep. they're very high. They're much higher than they were several years ago. Um, and if you think about why, it makes a lot of sense. Lots of stimulus from the federal government um, in the last couple of years, and people couldn't vacation or dine out as much. The, the discretionary spending yep. was way down, other than uh, like over the ho- like recent holidays, right? L- lots of spending now, but people are like now getting like spending that. So, so people, that's another way of saying there is a lot of cash on the sidelines right now, just in general, yeah. right? Not, of course, not everybody has that, unfortunately, but um, just in general. So I think the discussion is pretty relevant. I don't necessarily think that it was not the case if we rewind a, a little more than a decade through the credit crisis where we had very high unemployment, but we didn't have the same level of federal stimulus. Um, and, and that was a more economically trying time, right? A lot of foreclosures, a lot of people losing yep. wealth in homes and real estate. Um, so, so different period of time, but I guess I was just kind of wanted to prove the point about um, you know, holding out investments because I, I think there's still a point to be proven, and there could have been certainly people at that time that had cash to invest, inheritances, things like that. Sure. Um, so, like in so again, this that that market was uh, top was about October of '07, bottom was March of '09. In June of 2008, the market was down about 15 percent from its high, so it was about nine months in, right? Okay. And and and. You know, we, we sort of already talked about how sometimes when we see markets that are down 10 or 15 or 20 percent, we're, we're, there are some clients where that's an opportunity to invest cash on the sideline, right? Like sometimes we reach out to clients that we know have cash on the sidelines because yep. that's, you know, of course, when you're in it, you don't know how much further the market will decline or when it will recover. Um, 
But in in that, like, so for the people that, for example, let's say hypothetically, we were uh, talking to people in June of 2008, we're saying, hey, market's been down, market's down 15%, you've got cash on the sidelines, Um, maybe you want to invest money at at this time, right? This is a buying opportunity. Because like like we already talked about, prices were lower than they were nine months ago, right? Buying, buying opportunity. In that market, because it took such a long, that was such a long market and and deep one, and it took a while to recover, for people that invested their money in June of 2008, they probably didn't see it recover in value because the market did continue to trend down after there. Yep. They didn't see that, uh, they, they weren't made whole for probably three years because the market continued to trend down for another nine months and then took, I don't know, year and a half to two to three years to recover. It depends on the specific investment strategy. I'm just talking about like the S&P 500. Of course, every investment strategy is a little different, but the point is it took a long time for people to see that uh, investment just become whole again. Like if they put $50,000 in at that time, they might have seen it drop another 20, 30%, and then it took a couple years to recover from. And I'm not trying to like scare anybody out of investing right now. That's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is that when, if you are thinking about, if you have cash on the sidelines in any uh, situation, good market or bad market, you have to have time. Right. Right. So, th- so again, the, 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 the Corona crash was very short, quick recovery months, right? Yep. Uh, this one was years. Not only was it 17 or 18 months down, it was like three years back up, two yeah. or three years back up. And just, just to, just to follow up, I, I did jump on onto my software and this is just using the S and P. It looks like it was about three years to get your money back. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, 2012, I think sometime mid 2012 from mid 2000 and what was it? Eight. Oh, what was it? Is that four years? Uh, yeah, yeah. T- okay. I'm talking about this is, and this without without dividends though. So not again, right. just purely okay. based on the price. But okay, uh, yeah. So I mean, you you were talking a, a number yeah. of years, yeah, um, in order to get your money back. So which is again, I'll let you I'll let you continue, but I just yeah. didn't want to <laughs> let that go. And I didn't like so so you you know you and I are having this conversation about you know tr- trying. I don't want people to be. First of all, we don't know where the market's going to go from here. Yeah, but people. That's why we keep saying if you have enough time. Right. It's always a good time to invest. Or again, yeah. we don't know if it's the perfect time to invest. We don't know if it's the absolute right time to invest. But if you have enough time to weather a further downturn and and see the recovery from that, then then uh, you shouldn't. Okay, again, every, everything is based on your individual situation, but you shouldn't necessarily be scared of investing yep. because valuations are more attractive now than they were a couple months ago. Um, yes, they might become more attractive in the coming weeks and months and year, um, but you have to be able to have time to... Um, Time is your friend in the world of investing. I mean, I don't know how many more ways to say that, right? You, you just, you shouldn't go into any sort of investment strategy that has really any sort of stock exposure um, without having several years before you need the money. I've, when I have people that have, you know, need for money for like th- three years or less, I, I I don't even think they should be investing in anything, even really a conservative strategy right? Um, with any sort of stock exposure. Yeah, I, w- I would say that, just back to our discussion about dollar cost averaging earlier, right? Yeah. So there's the, if you have, you know, and, and we're talking about like the, the unsaid hypothetical that we've been talking about is, you know, someone has a big chunk of change, let's say it's 25, 50 or a hundred thousand dollars, whatever, whatever a large chunk of money is to you. And it's, is it a good time to invest this money? Should we invest it? And the, you know, the answer I think is, you know, we're generally pushing folks towards, yes, it's, it's probably a good, you know, you probably should invest that money. However, you know, we do pay attention to the psychology of that very much so, yeah. and especially with larger chunks of money, we, and and also kind of point, you know, we'll use that 2000, seven, eight, nine, uh, I'm sorry, no, the, the 2000, sorry. <laughs> the, uh, the 2000 bear market, we tend not to tell everyone to dump it all in, right, depending on what the number is. I mean, if we're talking about $10,000, we probably, you know, we'll 
probably tell people just to invest it because you may, yeah. you may be dealing with some in level in, of investment cost to invest it. But mm. if you have $500,000 or if you have a million dollars and, you know, in an inheritance or a business sale or whatever it ends up, you know, whatever it was, we probably wouldn't tell folks to invest all that money right away. We right. probably would then say, well, let's figure out a time frame over which to invest it. Because again, you do have to factor in the psychology. The, the reason is, the reason they have that much money on the sidelines in general is something to do with psychology anyway. Yep. Yep. And so you want to make sure that you are investing it in, you know, in, in a, in an effective, but also comfortable enough way to where right. you're not going to change course. Right. So we're, you know, we're off, you know, the sort of a standard recommendation in our, in our business is you invest it over somewhere, something like a six month time period, and you can always make adjustments based on your own personal, um, preferences. Uh, and so that's just, you know, that's, that's another good way to, you know, another, good use for dollar cost averaging is to, all right, hey, I'm going to invest this money. Let's not do it all right now. Because again, we could be in March 2000 and uh, March 2020. We could also be in, um, you know, mid 2008 yeah. and have yeah. a long way to go. So yeah. just throwing that in the Yeah, no, I love it. And I, I want to finish up that point after the break, but we do have to take a quick break. Um, you're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed with my brother, Justin McNamara today. You can check us out at McNamara, uh, McNamaraFinancial.com or McNamaraOfTheMerrimack.com. We have two offices. Um, and we're just taking a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Mike McNamara. If you're looking for a financial advisor, start by asking him or her three questions. Number one, are you a certified financial planner practitioner? Number two, are you legally held to a fiduciary standard of care for your clients? And number three, do you only give financial advice and not sell investment products? These are all simple yes-no questions. If he or she doesn't answer yes quickly and starts talking, that's a no, and it's time to move on to another advisor. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined by my brother and uh, business partner, Justin McNamara, this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, we're talking a lot about market timing type stuff, and, and uh, you can't do it, so don't try. Uh, short story. <laughs> you can um, go about your day now. So, uh, But no, we're, we're, we're talking about um, just... Um, you know, uh, trying to address the question that a lot of people have about, is this a good time to invest? When is the right time to invest? These are just really common uh, questions and thoughts in times of market volatility. Um, understandably so, right? Emotions are, um, the, people will always be emotional about their money. Right. And, you know, there's, I used to think I had a quote on my wall. I want to say it was Nick Murray that yeah. was like, you know, emotions, uh, some, something did about- Did quotes come down after when we redid They things? did. I need oh, to put them back up. I had yeah. some good quotes on my wall. One of them was something about uh, emotions really get in the way of this business of investing or something like that. <laughs> something about, um, you know, uh, if, if, <laughs> if you had no emotions uh, about the amount of your money or, or your money in general, you'd probably be a great investor long term. But yep. but but, un, but people are just naturally emotional about their money, and understandably so. I don't mean to minimize that. It, it's it's you work your whole life for it, or you inherit it from your family who worked for it, or uh, both. Or, or, you know, and and you need to rely on it to live the rest of your life and provide for your family. And you know, of course, uh, uh, makes a lot of sense. But. Um, we're, we're talking about um, just sort of managing emotions in times like this and um, uh, just had some stuff to go over regarding, I don't know, sort of encouraging people the, that it's, you know, in times like this, it's, it's yes, we understand that you might be worried about investing if you have cash to invest and we're playing, like, if, if I guess what, maybe I should say that differently. When it's situationally appropriate to invest money, Right. Then you shouldn't necessarily let what's happening in the markets change that or get in the way of that. Right. So if situationally it makes sense, like you already have your emergency reserves and you're putting money in your 401k and uh, you don't have debt to pay off and, and you have this extra cash and it's you know not earning anything in the bank and right now being eaten away by inflation, then, you know, situationally, yep. if that makes sense, then um, then you shouldn't necessarily uh, be afraid to invest your money just because markets are volatile right now. Right. Right. We, for all we know, the market could be bottoming out next week and this is the perfect time to invest. Of course, I, you know, we would never pretend to predict that, but, but you just don't know. And again, even if we continue to see this market trend down and if it's a while before the recovery, 
uh, you shouldn't go into an investment strategy if you don't have enough time anyway, if you don't have several years, which would right. sort of segue into, I want to get into suitability. But you brought up a really good point right before the break that, um, you know, I could talk all day about, you know, you and I could talk all day about this is what's best for the money and, and all and, and the right strategies and, and things like that. But yep. you have, but as advisors, we have to also, of course, factor in our clients' emotions, right? Because right. because it's not good for anyone involved, right, advisor or a client, if the client is in a portfolio that's uncomfortable for them, right? Obviously right. not good for the client because they're uncomfortable, but also might make them want to make a change at the wrong time, right? right? From a financial perspective might be the wrong time, but they might need to do it from an emotional perspective. Um, so it's our job to fit our clients into what we think is the most suitable portfolio for them based on what we know of the world of investing and, and their yep. retirement plan, yep. but also what's most appropriate for them in terms of how they will receive it in in different markets. Right. Uh, but of course, you and I know that we talked, we sort of started the show by saying that um, what somebody says they're comfortable with or what they might be comfortable with now isn't necessarily what they'll be comfortable with in the future. Right. right? Yeah, I mean, it changes. We're, we're trying yeah. to get, we're trying to have folks be in an investment strategy that's appropriate for them for, you know, for very, very long periods of time, right? Yeah. Any, you know, we, we, we constantly preach to try not to time the market, you know, and a lot of this discussion has been, you know, essentially try, you know, try not to time the market. You're probably not going to get it right. If you're changing investment strategies on a frequent basis, you're effectively doing the same thing, yeah. right? So, you're, you know, and it can be, it can, and sometimes I'm sure is used as, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not selling out of the market. I'm just changing my investment strategy. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting yeah. a little yeah. more conservative. I'm getting a little more aggressive. <laughs> Effectively, that is time. That's that is market timing, and yeah. it's again most people lose that. So, so our job and the job of you know of you, if you're managing your own funds, is to try to make sure you're in a portfolio that you can hang on to for you know ideally for long periods of time until your financial yeah. situation changes significantly. Which again, there again, this is an opinion, and everyone's life situation is different. There really shouldn't be that many times in your life when you when a a when a, uh, yeah, a, yeah. a risk tolerance change yeah. is necessary, right? You know, I you know, ideally you're in a in a very similar risk tolerance for most of your working life if you're saving for retirement, and then it you know it it downshifts maybe once or twice or a few times you know as you get uh, you know as you get to and into retirement, and that's probably it. Now again, you know, there's obviously college, they're saving for you know saving for second homes and other major purchases which are are being left out, but it, it's not. It shouldn't be that common of an occurrence for you to be changing how aggressive right. or conservative you are. Right. Um, and so you want to try to avoid that as best you can because it's just a it's just a uh, you know it's it's just market timing with a, with a <laughs> dolled up yeah yes yeah, sp up, spun yeah. a spun to make it? you not feel so bad. Oh, yeah. There's a person climbing up that big giant oh. radio tower. Oh. Um. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, my I view, had like, my view is of a of a of a man climbing up a very very tall ladder, and it looks it looks scary. So I hope he's appropriately attached. <laughs> he, to I it. think he does. Yeah, I think he, he managing his right stuff. On. He's cool. Yeah. There is a there's a, yeah there's a safety rope. It looks oh, like right. he's wearing a helmet. So he, yeah, he beats the guy in the Spider Man costume from last week. Yeah. Very, oh, is that right? <laughs> oh, I kid, that didn't happen. No. Very responsible <laughs> here at ATD. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had like. 15 things to comment on as you were saying that, and I wasn't writing them down. One of the things that, uh, well, the conversation that I have with a client that sort of gave me the idea for today's show was, um, again, where situationally it made sense for this person to be investing some money. Yep. Um, but, you know, of course, she had, the, she had those questions. You know, is this a good time? Should we be doing this right now? And, of yeah. course, that leads to, and I needed two hours to explain to her, and, but I'll just send her the recording. No, I'm kidding. We <laughs> talked about it. and um, But... <clears throat> Um, I, and, and I, what you mentioned before the break was that it, you don't have to go all in either, right. right? And so, but situationally, this person has cash; they're ready to invest. It makes sense. We had talked about it for for a while, but you know, the, it just it hadn't lined up yet. And of course, now the markets are volatile, and she's worried. And um, and I explained to her, you know, it, it, there's lots of options, right? We can totally customize our strat investment yep. strategies. So, yep. you know, for her, I said you don't have to go all into the market with this money. You know, you mentioned like normally over. A six three month or six month period of time we could yep. you know let's take a piece of it and invest now and if if markets continue to trend down and you invest more later then that's a great strategy and, and it makes and she felt very comforted by that and that that yeah. that's what you that's what you i think what you mean by like 
sort of managing the emotions of it all, right? You and I might know what's good from a long-term investment standpoint, but right. being able to manage the emotions um, of clients is of the utmost importance as well. Yep. And of course, you never want to invest someone's money who's not comfortable with what you're doing. That would be a terrible relationship. Yeah, and, um, and we can. You know, I think yeah. I think we can do that. Having done this for so long, you can tell where someone's at. You know, when they're asking you, you know, if, if you're having a conversation with a client who has some money, let's say a chunk to invest, you can very sort of quickly identify where they're coming from, right? There are, you know, there are some people who it's a, you know, it's a quick question. Hey, I got some money. Is now a good time to invest? It just sort of comes out of the blue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in general, those people are, you know, may, maybe more comfortable with the investment. And, you know, there are other people who are, who know they should, but they have, you know, sort of significant reticence to, to do it. And they're looking for someone to kind of push them more into what they think is is probably the right thing to do That's anyway. True. Yeah. And so, you know, and for, for us, it's having ex- the experience and having done it for so long, it's relatively easy to then try to tailor us, you know, a scenario to them and just say, hey, well, okay, so if you're more reticent to do it, then we start saying things like, well, hey, you know, you don't have to invest it all at once. You can, you know, we can invest right. it over, you know, some period of time and, and, you know, whether or not that's, you know, three months or six months or nine months or even a year, depending on how large this chunk of money is and depending on how yeah. emotional they might be about it. Um, that's probably, a, you know, that's probably the best strategy for them specifically. And so, you know, us getting them to do that is, is, you know, sort of in their best interest, you know, maybe, and odds are they should invest it on a shorter time horizon, but because of the psychology of it and, you know, the risk of something going wrong and them making a, you know, making a subsequently poor decision about maybe taking the money back out, um, it will work for them. And if you're doing it yourself out there, then just try to, just try to keep tabs on your emotions and, and how, um, you know, how, how risk averse you're feeling about the whole thing. And, and again, we're not saying you should dump all your money and, you know, take all your money out of the bank and put it in. But if you can do something that, that makes, you know, sort of creates progress towards you getting that money invested, we always recommend systematizing it, right? You know, Mm -hmm. let's just, Hey, we're going to, we're going to do this. If you don't want to do it all at once, we're going to do it on a very specific time schedule. It's, you know, 25% increments over, you know, you know, once now, once in two months, then another two months. And then the last bit, uh, at, at the six month mark and try not to worry about it systematize it because then it takes the yeah. the um, you know the stress out the of emotional it. stress of trying to time it like we already talked about that the people right. that try are, are always looking for the most opportune time yep. can drive themselves crazy trying to time it let's talk about like investment s- strategies too and suitability like you know you're talking about we can you know, uh, manage someone's emotions or address someone's concerns or or yep. risk aversion by uh, investing over periods of time, right? If they're uncomfortable investing uh, all of their cash on the sidelines right now, but you can also have a similar discussion when it comes to investment strategy, yep. right? And this particular person that I was you know chatting with uh, earlier in the week was uh, a younger person that had an aggressive investment strategy because situationally yep. it made sense, right? She's a long time from retirement and, you know, 20 years is likely, you know, an, enough time to um, have an aggressive investment strategy, in my opinion, and I, and I was comfortable with that. And we didn't specifically um, talk about having a different strategy, but there might be cases where um, we originally discussed an aggressive or a moderately aggressive investment strategy. And if there's hesitation, you can change the strategy too, right? right. You could could say, well, you know, you're uncomfortable with an aggressive strategy, right? A more aggressive strategy should, should this mimic mark, uh, this market mimic what happened uh, in the credit crisis, right? And if we're 10, 15% down now, and we've got another 40% to go, right? You're, you're going to see that yep. you, the people that are going to see that downturn are the people that are in the aggressive investment strategies, the primarily stock or the all stock. Right. Right. And if and if someone can't if that is to unfold and and something similar anyway, and um, if someone can't uh, won't be able to handle it, doesn't think they'll be able to handle it, then they could go into like a moderate risk investment strategy. Right. Right. And so when the market goes down, uh, has gone down, you know, 50 percent from its high over whatever period of time, you know, maybe a moderate strategy is down 30 percent from its high. Right. Well, that's still pretty uncomfortable, but it's not 50 percent from its high. Right. And yep. it's just a, it's a more mitigated, you know, we have balanced portfolios to uh, for this reason, <laughs> like for <Yeah>. this exact <laughs> reason to to um, to help people. Uh, be more comfortable to mitigate the downturns, right? To to help them. It's let's be honest. It's for emotional reasons. Right. There aren't as many investment reasons to be conservative as there are emotional reasons. That's right. I'm pretty especially yeah yeah give it, yeah, yeah yeah. 
investment reasons, it's basically just your time horizon, right? right? And anyone right. who's, you know, the vast majority of our listeners right now have a longer term time horizon. Therefore, right. you it could in theory be in an all equity portfolio, right? If you look at right. the numbers and what the, you know, what rates of return are, you know, a, a lot of people who are saving for retirement can afford to be pretty aggressive even up until their 50s. Yeah. Um, but they're, you know, not everyone does that, you know, for that psychological reason. For emotional reason. reasons, yeah. yeah. I, and I want to yeah. be clear that, we're, you know, we, a lot of times we, on the radio, there's, there's, sort of talk in absolutes, right? Where you, you know, I said earlier in the show, like you don't want to be changing, you know, you don't want to be getting more conservative because that's just another form of market timing. I mean, we're, we're certainly sensitive to the fact that you don't always get, right? Because because risk tolerance is not a science, you don't always get it right. And that's even, mm-hmm. even us who, you know, who mm-hmm. have been doing this for a long time and we have processes in place to try to get people in just that right risk profile. It doesn't always work mm-hmm. and it's you know it's it's certainly not the case that you know we've never changed a client investment strategy during a downturn you know for psychological reasons mm-hmm. that that would not be the case we it, it happens we we think fairly rarely at least relative to the number of uh, you know, of clients that we have invested in the market, but it's it is something that you can make changes to, and a lot of times mm-hmm. it's you know a lot of times we're we're if uh, if we're talking about reducing risk in a port in a downturn, it's usually an alternative to, to selling <laughs> selling out of right. the market, which is you know right. in it's our a minds alternative. an improvement yeah. uh, to a you know kind of a, a wholesale hey get me yeah. out of here I can't handle any more volatility, um, so in that would be better than pr- again likely better then fully selling out of the market and just, you know, crossing your fingers that you can get back in at a lower point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, when I, I, I do think it's important for people to have an idea of like you, you and I just made the point that um, time horizon, really what are the two factors and what's an appropriate portfolio time and emotions? Yep. I can't really think of another, well, in, income, need for income, but that's related to time, right? right? So yep. so those are really the two big, if not sort of really the only um, factors, right? So, so for someone to, if you're going into an aggressive investment strategy, and I would define that as like all stock or, or 75 to 80% or more stock, right? Yep. That's a pretty aggressive investment strategy. I don't think you should be going into that unless you have eight or more years till you need the money. If you're very aggressive, like all stock, maybe even 10 or more years before you need the money. Yep. And so you're, you know, we, we keep talking, we've talked all morning about the, the S&P 500 and the, and the crazy highs and the crazy lows that it, that it can have and has had historically and will continue to have. And but we're that's a stock market, right? That that's like sort yep. of the extreme. I actually really the extreme would be one stock, or Bitcoin would really be an extreme, <laughs> some sort of a more um, f- uh, what's the word uh, focused investment? What's the word? Um, anyway, and we're talking about a diversified aggressive right. investment, but um, yep. but <clears throat> not every investor needs and should see those extremes, right? Like yep. you should only be going into aggressive strategies if you have a long time, right? right? Because, and really this is uh, that sort of a, an all stock strategy for as long as I can remember and been in the business, which I guess is almost 20 years now, the 10, the 10 plus year time horizon for an all stock strategy has been a general recommendation for a long time. Yep. But then we actually saw during our careers, uh, a, like a rolling 10 year period of time where the US market didn't have a positive return, right? And that's only happened like once yeah. ever. And it was like sometime in 2000 to sometime in 2010, I think, right? It was. Or was it, was it, oh. They, they tend to only happen, you pretty much you're in the depths of a, bear, of a bear market, yeah. right? And they, they also, those, those timeframes do happen. They tend to be very short lived yeah. and they, you know, because the market usually goes down and it's, people are panicking. It may, it may quote unquote overshoot to the downside. And so you will get some, some 10 year periods. I think occasionally there's that are, very few yeah, though that yeah. are, that are not, there's very few 10 year periods of time in the U S stock market where there's not a positive return. Right. Right. And and yep. most of them are v- really good returns. But there was like, I don't know, one or two like r- periods, rolling 10 year periods where there wasn't a positive return right. uh, for stocks. And not, and not that. And again, a diversified or a prudent investor would be more diversified than just owning the U.S. market anyway. Right. right? There would be some international investments in there, maybe some emerging markets, some small company stocks. You know, there, there would be some other stuff in there. And I and and I just want to, you know, one step further, like 
let's say let's say we do have let's say from right now until 10 years from now to 2032 that's crazy to say isn't it um <laughs> let's say we have a period of time where 10 years from now the the S&P 500 isn't positive okay right Let, let's just say like this market continues to trend down and then we have a, a recovery but then we have another downturn that starts yep. in 2031 right and then and then so 10 years from now it's it's trended down so so that that's a scary thing to think about yep. right yep. and we just said that if you're going into an aggressive investment strategy a stock investment strategy you should have 10 or more years but if if that is to, you're going to help me with how I say this and and I think you're going to know the point that I'm trying to make is if that does unfold yep and if someone like is going to be retiring 10 years from now yep or 11 or 12 years from now they're not going to be aggressive the whole time anyway Right. right. Like like you should go into an investment strategy knowing you have all this time. Right. Yep. But as your time horizon gets shorter. Right. You're and as you get to be less than 10 years, less than eight years, less than six years, you're going to want to be lowering your risk in your investment strategy. Again, hoping to do that at uh, more opportune times than like right now, for example. Yep. Right. So that you have enough time so that if you like in that example where nine years from now we have another down market, you know, devastating yep. down market. You, you would hopefully have taken an opportunity if it made sense situationally to lower risk because you were approaching retirement, for example. Right. It would situationally make sense for you to reduce risk and not be that aggressive anyway. So your 10-year return right. in that awful example wouldn't necessarily be negative. Does that make sense? Did makes I explain sense. that? Yeah. It, it, should also, it's, it's, it should also be noted that, you know, we're not, you know, when people... When uh, when advisors or people on the you know people on the radio are talking about a ten year time <laughs> yes. horizon, um, it's not a I'm investing now and I'm liquidating in ten years, right? right? right. So you know, and, and again, just for anyone out there who has an equity portfolio and their you know their their quote unquote time horizon is until retirement is five years, it's it's maybe not necessarily the case that you need to not be in in an equity portfolio because your individual situation may be such that you you know your, your retirement or your retirement need may be different from like like the average right so i i you know i'm i do that again i do this with i used to do this with that all the time we're talking in sort of generics and then everything everything that we would talk about with the client is, is a much more customized situation where mm. you know if you're feeling aggressive you may well be all equity up until a point that's technically less than 10 years from your retirement. And that may, that may be okay for you specifically because, you know, for you, retirement may be, uh, you know, I own, you know, I have a million dollar portfolio and I only need $10,000 a year out of it. Right. I'm in a very fortunate financial situation where, so technically my time horizon is five years, but in reality, the, the draw on my portfolio is so light that I could afford to be more aggressive, mm. even up closer to my technical ending of time, my, my technical time horizon, right? The time horizon enough, is not yeah. like an ending point. Right. It's generally a transition into a different phase. And so we're, when, when we talk, I just want to kind of remove the black and white nature of radio where time horizon is, 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 you know, sort of a, it's the end of one. It's like, it's very much, they're very much phases right, and they're right, generally right. moderate yeah. transitions between phases. And it's not like, here's your beginning, here's your end. You sell all your money and then you move it right. somewhere else for your investment right. strategy. Right. Right. I guess sometimes, yeah. And sometimes when I talk to like new yeah. clients or new potential clients about this and I'm talking about like, oh, you know, if we have eight or more years, we could do this. Or if we have 10 or more years, we can do this. Right. And yeah. I, 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 right. I, sometimes I talk about it maybe in a yeah. little bit of a black and white way. And they're kind of like, well, can I have my money? Could I get my money before then if I need yeah. it? And I'm just like, oh, yes, <laughs> yeah. of course yeah. you can. Right. It's just yeah. that's just the way that we devise or you know yeah. make a recommendation for what's appropriate for you right yeah we're, right? we're very and, you know yeah. we're very yeah. rule of thumb based right especially especially yeah. on the radio when you're making generic advice yeah. you know you would not tell somebody who's you know has a has an inheritance in there you know they're going to need five percent out of their portfolio in, in five years you're probably not telling that person to put in an all equity portfolio right. i think that's a, it's right. a safe generic recommendation to make right that said every individual situation is different and yeah we need to make sure that we're you know sort of we communicate clearly when we're making a, a specific recommendation, which, you know, in this case, we're not. We're, we're generalizing for obvious reasons. I do think we run disclosure throughout the show that says that this is very generic advice. It's yeah. not for you specifically. We don't yeah. know you. Well, that's because um, we have you and dad on here. Ask your advisor. You know? <laughs> 
<laughs> right, of course, right. Um, ask your ask your investment professional what's right for you. Um, all right, we just have five or six minutes. Um, Did we get through the outline? Four minutes. I, I sort of got through my outline. I wanted to finish. We already talked about dollar cost averaging and 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 uh, the idea of managing emotions by not going all in. Yeah. Um, what about what about a quick discussion on is now an okay time to sell? I don't know. That's I mean, oh, it's yeah. going to be a whole different. We only have three topic. and a half minutes. Can you answer that? Oh yeah. I don't minutes? know. Well, I mean, we we've had the you know. The, Unfortunately, things do come up, and so we've had the discussion on, um, you know, if, if if we're saying it's a good time to buy, I guess does that effectively mean that we're saying it's a bad time to sell, right? If you mm. if you just, you know, we we obviously we invest money for a lot of folks, and occasionally things come up, you know, unforeseen yeah. emergencies, and you know, hey, I need to whatever, I you know, I need to I need to move, I'm gonna, you know, I need to be out of this house and into another one, and it's gonna require some money from my portfolio, and I guess the question is you know, is now a good time to sell? And, and, mm-hmm. you know, I guess the answer is obviously it's, you know, it's, it's depends on the individual circumstances, but um, in, in the few discussions I've had over the past couple of days when this actually did come up, yeah, um, there's always the option of making a, uh, making a change to your investment strategy, right? So, you know, if you, if you need, if you have a $500,000 portfolio and you, and you need a hundred grand, you don't always have to sell the potentially volatile stuff, right? If the right. stock market is right. down ten or fifteen percent, you could liquidate. You know, you could liquidate some bonds, uh, which which have not fluctuated um, nearly as much as as equities have, and then hold off and and you know maybe. Uh, maybe wait for a better time to liquidate those equities. I don't know if you have thoughts on that. Or I, what I do. I actually got an email this morning from a, yeah. a client who, again, this is the same client who has been comfortable with risk for a long time. Yeah. And even though they're approaching retirement, we're still moderately aggressive in some of their chunks of money. Yeah. But this is where portfolio diversification really uh, has its shining moment. And so with with many of my clients... <laughs> Our portfolios are shining. Yes. Right yeah. <laughs> not, well, not of them are like super shiny right now, but, um, but, but this is why like with a lot of my clients that have like different chunks of money as they're approaching retirement I'm being cognizant of okay is there at least one chunk of money that I would call accessible meaning not invested very aggressively yep. right and so for this particular client I we you know we're we're going to have the conversation about uh, yes these this these couple chunks of money are pretty aggressive, but you happen to have this other chunk yeah. that's moderate risk. There's a healthy amount of stable investment exposure in there. That's enough for you to last X number of years, which for her will be a long, a long number of years, five yeah. to eight to 10 probably. And so that's going to be a source of comfort for her. Um, so, so someone that's like, um, so is this a great time to sell and get more conservative? Um, in general, probably not, but if there's no other play, like it, it, if there's an uh, urgent need for for money, right, or or even in the next few years, and there's not another place to grab it from, yep. then maybe that they're forced into doing that, and but maybe then they weren't that then they didn't go into this market with a good investment strategy either, right? Like right. That, like they, they if you need the money in a couple years, you shouldn't be very aggressive right now, right? right. You should have some stable exposure, you should have some cash in the bank, some somewhere you can, you know, draw from without selling stocks while they're down in value. So so this again, this is like uh, as awful as this market is, of course, from a humanitarian you know standpoint, loss of life and all that stuff, um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a good reminder of why we are thoughtful about our investment strategies when times are good. Those, those give us, yeah. good times give us the opportunity to be well positioned for the bad times. Yep. And when we're in a bad time, ho- you know, hopefully someone has, if they need something, hopefully there's some liquid accessible money somewhere yeah. without making a big change. But Sorry. I mean, we'll open that can of worms right at the end of the I know, 15 seconds. So if we did well addressing it really quickly and probably, you know, we should do another show very soon uh, just with that question. Right. And but we'll see how the markets unfold from here. Uh, All right. That's a wrap, everybody. Thanks for listening. You're listening again to McNamara on money. If you didn't catch all of today's show and want to catch up, uh, we do have a podcast. Uh, You can search. uh, We're on iTunes and Spotify. Search McNamara on money on your podcast. What is it? I call it a a podcatcher. A podcatcher. Yep. First (laughs) first time I've heard that. Um, Or you you can check us out McNamaraFinancial.com or our Merrimack Valley office is McNamara of the Merrimack.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. That's my brother, Justin McNamara. We'll catch you next time. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.